Welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC. Welcome to the greatest soccer podcast in the history of the world. That, ladies and gentlemen, is no exaggeration. That right there is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And speaking of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, uh, well, what a hard-fought match we saw between Real Madrid and Manchester City. You know, quite frankly, the way the game started, and the way it was going on, so-and-so it was kind of what I expected, and other than times, you know, not so much. You know, it was no surprise that in the first 20 minutes, Manchester City was putting an overwhelming amount of pressure on Real Madrid, and not long after, Real Madrid was basically doing the opposite. But speaking of something that does not come as a bit of a surprise is the fact that Real Madrid was able to not only physically overcome Manchester City's overwhelming pressure, not only from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. Because we saw that last year. Because make no mistake about it, Manchester City gave Real Madrid everything they had last year. And they're doing the same thing. And this time things are a little bit different because Erling Haaland is part of the fray. Speaking of Erling Haaland, I mean, he certainly, you know, made his presence known. Now, he wasn't the one that found the back of the net for Manchester City, but uh, make no mistake about it, Erling Haaland certainly, uh, certainly had an impact. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, Real Madrid's always been that kind of team that somehow, someway finds a way to survive despite the excruciating, tremendous pressure. Because at the same time, Manchester City was putting a lot of pressure. But Manchester City was not quite able to finish what they were able to start. In other words, they were not able to find the back of the net despite the fact that they were threatening to do so. Manchester City had a total of six shots on goal and converted only once, while Real Madrid had three. Okay? There was a lot of problems. Now, a couple of facts and talking points from the game was that Jack Grealish and Danny Carvajal, well, their confrontations in this game uh, certainly speak for themselves, and quite frankly, they are well documented. You know, we've seen that a lot of times, like, in these big matches, especially in a Champions League competition, whether it's in the group stage, whether it's in the round of 16, or the final four, there's always one particular player from each side that they're going to have numerous confrontations throughout the game. But then again, we don't really see much out of it. Like, we never see something go completely out of control. We might see a couple of, you know, pushes and shoves. And of course, you see the one trip the other, and then the other one come back and return the favor about 5-10 minutes later. But, you know, but we saw what we saw. But, you know, Real Madrid, I mean, no doubt about it. Real Madrid got away with, a, with some rough stuff. I think there was actually a point where Real Madrid was fortunate not to be, well, Manchester City, they were they were fortunate that Manchester City was not awarded a penalty because, you know, Real Madrid did get away with, with a little bit of rough stuff. And then Real Madrid uh, would, would strongly insist that, you know, that they should have been awarded, you know, well, they appealed for a handball, I would say at least three times. At least three times, you know. So a, a lot of times... One side felt that they had been cheated, okay? And in my opinion, you see, that ultimately affects the value and the rhythm of the game. 
when one team is put in a position to where they have to appeal for a certain thing to give them the advantage, okay? We're not really seeing, like, everything come out from the open play. But that's how we saw the goals, okay? I mean, we saw Vinicius Jr. shoot a skyrocketing missile golazo that gave Los Blancos the lead, not far from the 40th minute. And what a beautiful, and I do mean a beautiful assist from none other than my boy, Eduardo Camavinga. I mean, I was crying tears of joy because I have been strongly supportive and rooting for Eduardo Camavinga despite all the clear ridicule that I've gotten for it. Because a lot of times people are telling me, Eduardo Camavinga is overrated. Eduardo Camavinga is weak. He has not done anything ever since he arrived at the Bernabeu. That right there is complete and absolute horseshit, okay? I still say this with such conviction, and I will say it again. Last season, in Real Madrid's overwhelming triumph in the Champions League, Eduardo Camavinga played a major role, a major role in the knockout stage for Los Blancos, because every time Eduardo Camavinga would be substituted into the game in the knockout stage, the magic would happen, okay? And just a few days ago, we learned that Eduardo Camavinga had officially won every single title with Real Madrid as Real Madrid was able to hoist the Copa del Rey title, okay? And mind you, Eduardo Camavinga is only 20 years old. And I will say this, if he is that bad of a player, why is it that the GOAT of Italian soccer himself, Carlo Ancelotti, why is it that Carlo Ancelotti rewards him for with significant playing time? Okay, if Kamavinga was not that good, was not a hard worker, he would not be starting in a Champions League Final Four. Eduardo Kamavinga has earned the privilege to play to actually be a starter. Now I'm still asking. Now people are still asking me how do I feel about Kamavinga, Kamavinga being deployed on the defense rather than his usual midfield. The way I see it, honestly, is like this: If Carlo Ancelotti sees the Kamavinga's potential in playing in the backfield, then you know what? I should see it too. In other words, if Carlo Ancelotti has faith in Kamavinga playing defense, then damn it, I have faith too. But at the same time, I've also seen that while Kamavinga is being deployed in the backfield, Kamavinga still compromises and takes the usual duties in the midfield and he helps create the scoring chances. He helps with the interceptions. He helps with the dribbling. He helps set up the scoring chances and he can provide the assists with those golden opportunities. And that's what we saw when he provided such a beautiful assist in what was a beautiful goal from Vinny Jr. Kamavinga provided an assist that I absolutely adored, and he did it in the most spectacular fashion. And Kevin De Bruyne, who equalized for Manchester City, scored in the way that we love seeing him score on, okay? Scoring from outside the box. And Kevin De Bruyne has established himself quite a reputation for being able to score in such a brilliant and unique way. So in other words, we saw the Kevin De Bruyne that we love to see. So by the way he scored, I told myself, well, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the Kevin De Bruyne that not only I know, but the Kevin De Bruyne that you all know. Alright. Now this game is back at square one because, uh, because right now on aggregate, it's one to one. But make no mistake about it. Manchester City holds the advantage now. Because leg two next week is going to be at Manchester City. Now, last year, the first game was at Manchester City, while the second leg was at the Bernabeu. And we all saw how that came. Now, everybody's basically guaranteeing at this point things are going to work out different. 
Because now they really see that Manchester City is going to avenge themselves from what happened last year. It very well can happen. But Real Madrid, we saw Manchester City being put themselves in overwhelming pressure because Real Madrid, again, turned the tables. And Manchester City, much like Real Madrid, found a way to recounter. That's ultimately how Manchester City was able to equalize. Okay? So both these teams are once again already each other's throats. <coughs> Excuse me. Basically at each other's throats. Now, they think it happened in game two. Now, obviously with Manchester City having the distinct edge, you know, Real Madrid's going to have to go out there and do something about it. Okay? Because Real Madrid knows that the odds are not in their favor, especially with game two, because it's now one-to-one. And what you have to understand is the away goals rule is no more. That's been the case for quite a while now. And quite frankly, I think it, sh- it should stay that way. So what Real Madrid has to do is they got to go to Manchester, okay? And in the second leg, they got to start scoring as soon as possible. But what's extremely important is they have to continue to score and play the most iron, rock, solid defense they can play. In other words, if they have to play at a level that they've possibly never played before when it comes to defending. Because make no, make no mistake about it. Erling Holland is coming for everything that they got. Same thing with Jack Grealish. Same thing with Gundogan. You know, you name them. Everything that Manchester City has, they are going to use it to their advantage. And Real Madrid knows that. So Manchester City is coming with for everything that Real Madrid's got, but Real Madrid needs to do the same thing. Real Madrid needs to be in a position to where we can take anything that Manchester City throws at us, and Manchester City is going to think the exact same way. It's clear to me that both these teams seem to be evenly matched. The difference is, Real Madrid's won the ultimate prize 14 times, while Manchester City has yet to win it for the first time. And Manchester City is absolutely more determined to ever to finally get the job done. Because I've been saying this for a very, very long time. And this this year, it's more clear than it ever has. Because if it doesn't happen this year, Manchester City's reputation will be damaged big time. Manchester City must win the title this year. Some would say if they don't, they become Paris Saint-Germain 2.0. That could be the case, but to be honest with you, I would imagine that if Manchester City does not win the title this time, they're probably going to be in a bigger and a worse situation than Paris Saint-Germain because at least Manchester City is more than capable of challenging for the title. Paris Saint-Germain is not. Okay, So when you have the team that can invest in the players but at least still be put in the title picture but not get the job done... That's, that speaks in one theory, okay? Now, PSG's case, they can't even put themselves in the title picture. And quite frankly, they shouldn't even be considered in the title picture. Coming into this tournament, I made it clear that Paris Saint-Germain should not be considered favorites. And I got heat for it, but you know what? I got heat for telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Because Paris Saint-Germain forever long ago established themselves as a team with all the money in the world that just cannot get the job done because they have no motivation, they have no drive, they have no aggression, there's no leadership, and most of all, the ownership of Paris Saint-Germain has absolutely zero respect for the game. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the truth. The ownership of PSG has no respect for the game whatsoever. And they can look at themselves in the mirror and know that. And for every PSG supporter that is upset at me for saying that, you can look yourself in the mirror and know that I'm telling you the truth. All those years of spending, 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 
and you get almost absolutely nothing out of it. I understand you win the league. Ah, uh, I understand. I understand you win the French title, the, Fr the French coupe. Okay, but at the end of the day, if you're unable to win the ultimate prize of domestic soccer, then what the hell was the point? All for naught. Okay, so Manchester City needs to be in a position where they have to get the job done. Okay, this is their chance. If Real Madrid pulls through next week, and if Manchester City is dumped out of the Champions League, well, that is not going to be good. But at this point, anything could happen. And honestly, I actually believe that anything could happen. But honestly, I cannot make a solid prediction. The only solid prediction I can say is we're going to witness a historic moment that we will be talking about within the next five years. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was for the next decade. I wouldn't be surprised if it was for the next 20 years or hell, for the next freaking century. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I have to say. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. So please do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to hit that notification bell. Because I promise you, if you love soccer, then my show, Into the Net FC, is the show for you. I guarantee to you that my content will impress you and you will not be disappointed. So please, ladies and gentlemen, hit the subscribe button, start listening, and please, please, please enjoy yourselves. Thank you all very, very much. Have a good one, and God bless.